track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landing for it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, throw it a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Well hit down the left for a line. Way back in! Touch the ball, Drew! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! You're on mute, buddy. Northside Connection, <laughs> welcome to WWE War. Wrestling Above Replacement, I'm JT, that's Marcus, where we honor all the legends, such as Tess and Jeff Jarrett, by listening to their theme songs at the beginning of every episode. This podcast is in a both audio and video format, on video over on our YouTube channel, Northside Connection, on audio on any podcast application under Northside Connection, and uh, many of our shows are simulcast. We also have exclusives to each if you uh, followed our YouTube channel, you know that we ranked every single War Games match recently. And we have some fun stuff cooking for 2024. So get your subscription in. Be sure to check it out every day to see what's hopping and what's dropping. And uh, tonight on Duty War, Marcus, we're going to continue to cover a very exciting season for us. That's right, man. We're uh, continuing along with 1990 and 1991. Uh, question for you. Have you ever felt like Demolition Axe? here at Survivor Series 1990, which is the first show we're going to be covering. Have I ever felt like Yeah. I would, <laughs> yeah. My hair isn't far off right now, honestly, <laughs> if I would have left it. But, um. Have you uh, ever gone into like a last day of work? like uh, Yeah, just completely does. disheveled. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's more like a, a senioritis feel too, like senior year, uh, senior week in high school or something where you're just kind of checking the boxes and screwing off. But yeah, Axe... He did not want to be here on this night, uh, but we do want to be here talking Survivor Series 1990. 
on this program, we're going through every WWE pay-per-view ever in a seasonal format. So that means we start with the pay-per-view following WrestleMania. We end at WrestleMania the following calendar year. We're currently doing the 90-91 season. So we start with SummerSlam 90. We're ending with WrestleMania 7. For this season, we're doing things a little abnormally. Normally, we do two pay-per-views an episode because the season is so short and so much is going on. We really want to relive the nostalgia. We're breaking these down, slowing down just a minute during the season. We're doing one pay-per-view per episode. So tonight... We're only covering Survivor Series 1990. We're doing that in a series of metric-based uh, categories. So if you think of everything we look at as a replacement-level event, uh, a generic match, a generic moments, a generic crowd reaction, just baseline, that's where we start. Anything that's above that normal response gets a plus one. Anything below that line gets a minus one. We do that in a series of categories, net all that out. We grade every match. We net that all out. And then that gives us our total war score. So the way we do this is looking at all kinds of things when it comes to pay-per-views. We don't just go based on great in-ring action or poor in-ring action. Uh, stuff has to happen. The crowd has to be engaged. There has to be good build. Markets will go through the categories proper in a moment. But all of that gets mixed up into our final score. So we have some interesting stuff at the top of our list. I think some of it jives with what you uh, would think of when you think of great pay-per-views, but there's also a lot of different stuff that we have in place as well, Marcus. Yep. Uh, so I will go over our categories that we go off of. Uh, first, we start off with build, followed up by commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability and all-time matches and an all-time match is anything we both agree is 4.25 and above for it to count as a plus and uh 0.75 and below for it to count as a minus and that is yep. of course a consensus grade yep and for those match grades uh so we mark you take your score we take my score so let's say it averages out to a four two and a half is an average match so four two and a half to four is a plus one and a half right if it's a we give it a one that's a minus one and a half so we kind of add all that up everything if you think of everything we do here it's all about plus minus from the average so all right let's talk survivor series 1990 november 22nd 1990 from hartford connecticut the hartford civic center 16,000 in attendance gorilla monsoon and rowdy roddy piper on commentary again uh, i should say it again piper's here again gorilla of course we hadn't heard yet this season our dark match was Shane Douglas defeating Buddy Rose. A pretty interesting little dark match there. Kind of uh, ships passing in the night, I guess, when you think where Shane's headed and Buddy's kind of on the, on the downswing, but kind of cool. And then we're going to dive right into our card here. So our opening match uh, is a Survivor Series. These are all Survivor Series matches tonight. Opening match features the Warriors, Ultimate Warrior, Hawk, Animal, and the Texas Tornado, defeating the perfect team, Mr. Perfect, Axe, Smash, Crush. In 14 minutes and 20 seconds, Perfect uh, gets left alone against Warrior and Tornado. He eliminates his rival, the Tornado, but then falls to the ultimate Warrior. In the end, when Warrior blows out of the Perfect Plex and then finishes him with the Big Splash. So I went two and three quarters. I mean, I think it's a fine opener. Uh, it has a stupid double DQ of Demolition and LOD, which I hate. I think it's lazy booking, especially with Demolition on their way out anyway. Like, if there was ever time for Axe to get pinned, this is pretty much it. <laughs> um... You know, if you want to protect Smash and Crush a little bit, I get it, right? Whatever, but um, I don't, I don't see why you don't have Axe at least get eliminated. That's what uh, they do, right? Doesn't Axe? Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does yeah, this is the big splash, I think. But, but that's it. Smash and Crush are also kind of on their way out anyway. Yeah. Too. So I mean, I, I would have had LOD mow through all of them, um, and then maybe Demolition baits them out and they get counted out or something if you mm. want to protect them. Um, but I'll be honest, I think this is one time where I just would have had, I, I think. 
I guess it's tough because they wanted to not, they had to think of the main event, right? With the grand finale match. So they couldn't do too much, but like LOD and warrior surviving here would have made sense to me, given where LOD is, but I guess then you're really stacking that main event up um, beyond uh, maybe what you need to, uh, I guess maybe you could flip a result later in the night, uh, you know, with like Tito winning and maybe you just do LOD warrior and Hogan. That would have been pretty awesome. Uh, and you probably could have stacked up that other team enough to combat them. So minor quibble, but I think LOD surviving here would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, especially when you think about that main event team, um, when we get to the ultimate match of, uh, or the, the grand finale, the match of uh, survival at the end. I mean, you had like Hogan warrior and uh, the Legion of doom and Tito, um, that's a pretty dope team, and uh, I'm sure we'll get to other ways that they could have evened out the heel side of things. Um, but yeah, man, 2.75 for me. Uh, I think you covered everything uh, pretty well there. So I will move on to our next match, which is again a Survivor Series match, and it is as it is Dusty Rhodes, uh, Coco Beware, and the Hart Foundation taking on Ted DiBiase, Undertaker, and Rhythm in Blues. Oh, you mean that Ted DiBiase? Um, (laughs) this match of course is uh, the legendary debut of Mr. Undertaker Mark from Texas Mm. making his uh, pay-per-view debut his on-screen WWF debut and uh, the match is all about establishing him getting him over Um, eventually he's gonna get uh, get counted out uh, leaving ringside to brawl back with Dusty and uh, the story turns into Brett uh, outlasting Valentine and uh DiBiase. Ultimately, Brett falls to DiBiase, which leaves uh, the Million Dollar Man as the sole survivor. I went with a uh, war of 3.25 for this, and I really like uh, the finishing back back end with uh, with Brett and DiBiase. Yeah, I gave it a three. Um, the first half was, is kind of all over the place. Like, Honky is, I mean, he's pretty much cooked after this, so he he goes down with a, with a whimper. Anvil kind of goes down easily. Dusty, we've talked about him. Like he's really at the end of his, his uh, days here. He's, um, you know, gets pinned pretty easily by Undertaker, and then I don't know the Taker elimination is interesting too. Like I get you're probably not going to have him go to the main event, um, so you had to have him get eliminated somehow. It just looked kind of stupid with him just like fighting with Dusty because Piper even calls it out and Gorilla like they don't really protect him. They just kind of say like he's dumb because he followed him out. So I think this is a case where you just have him beat the shit out of the ref or something like. He beats Dusty, kicks the shit out of him. The ref is like, all right, break it, break it. Taker picks the wreck up, maybe like choke slams him or something. You know what I mean? And then it's like a, an emphatic disqualification uh, versus just like walking out of the ring and counted out. Uh, obviously, going to take a moment is a big part of this. I mean, it's iconic. It's it's a legendary debut. Uh, good on Coco for putting him over strong <laughs> as well. Um <laughs> in that moment too. So that, you know, that was a cool bit. And then, yeah, Brett and DiBiase is, is awesome at the end. I mean, that's the highlight of the match. You know, it's an infamous one too. Brett's brother had just passed away. So he dedicates the match to him. They talk about that. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, we're on the doorstep now with the Brett singles push, right? So this mm-hmm. is kind of another preview of what's to come with him in that role. So I think it's by design. He's the last one out there with DiBiase. Uh, protecting DiBiase made sense too. He's got the title match the next night with the Warrior on the main event. So they had to keep him strong for that. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing they could have done differently, and I'm, I don't really get why they didn't have Dustin Rhodes in this match instead mm. of Coco. Like I, I like Coco, like I'm fine with it, but you think like everything was building toward Dustin being in there. You know what I mean? So like, I don't fully understand why. And of course, originally it was supposed to be bad news Brown. Um, he gets pulled out and then they do the mystery guy instead. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, a legendary moment, a fun finish, but beyond that, not much going on. Um, and some questionable booking stuff. 
All right. Up next, we have uh, another Survivor Series match. It's Jake the Snake Roberts, Jimmy Snuka, and the Rockers, uh, who are the Vipers, versus the Visionaries, which is a great team name. Rick Martel, the Warlord, and Power and Glory. Um, I think this match right here, Marcus, is the peak of Power and Glory, because by the end of the night, we're going down the hill. Uh, but here, this is like they look awesome. They have the Powerplex. It's the first ever time a whole team survives uh, with the Visionaries, so that's pretty cool. Um, Sean, another guy that's, you know, getting to be close to the doorstep of a solo push, gets a lot of shine in this match as a singles guy. He looks good. Um, beyond that, the only other big thing to note is, you know, Jake obviously ends up down four to one, doesn't give up, but Martel baits him and Jake only cares about destroying Martel. So he chases him off and gets countered out in the end, uh, after hitting the DDT on the warlord. So uh, this is fine booking. Again, it's a pretty good match It's long. Um, but I went three stars. I think it's a perfectly fine anchor match on the card. Yeah, this one um, definitely felt long to me, but also uh, I didn't mind it. Um, I went three as well, and um, yeah, this is this is the peak of power and glory. Um, you know, they probably should have packed it on home for the night because uh, before yeah, you they, know uh, it, they're going to be sour <laughs> and gory, and gory. Yeah. Um, our next match is uh, the Hulkamaniacs of uh, Hulk Hogan, the Big Boss Man, the Tugster. Uh, tugboat himself and hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on the earthquake, you know, Bravo, Haku, and uh, Barbarian. Um, I went with a war of 2.75 for this match. Uh, of course, uh, Hogan is your sole survivor, uh, last eliminating, uh, I believe, Barbarian. Um, yes, cool to see them uh, give Barb some run. Um, always felt like Barbarian was the guy that should have been positioned to be warriors like. Mm first big feud like coming out of like SummerSlam, i, I yeah. felt like um by this time they should have been pretty deep in a feud um got a great look um works a great style i mean we were super impressed uh or we are going to be impressed uh next uh pay-per-view that we talk about with his match with uh the big boss man you mean instead um, of ostensibly feuding with axe because when you look <laughs> at that six man like it's kind of how he's lined up um because yeah. that's the whole fall feud is him in the lod against demolition so yeah so, um, but yeah, uh, this is, this is pretty standard fare, uh, 2.75 for me. Yeah. I, I went two and a half. Like it's, it's okay. I think it's a match that should be better when you look at it on paper, like boss man is red hot. Hogan's hot. Duggan's always over tugboats, whatever, uh, barbarian Haku, great workers. Like, you know, this should have been quake is a great worker. Like there should have been a lot more to it. Um, Instead, it's just, it's just kind of weird. Duggan gets DQ with the board. Like it's just fucking dumb. It um, feels like everybody's on house show mode. It does. It's a weird show. It, it's a show that's like the epitome of nostalgia driven. Um, I think it's similar to 89 in that regard. Like the nostalgia is so high and the taker moment so big. I think people romanticize the grand finale match. But when you really sit and watch it, it's like very, it's just mid. Like it's not even bad. It's just, it's very mid. Um, I like Barbarian being at the end, like you said, because it, again, it continues kind of that showcase vibe. Uh, perfect in the opener. Brett and DiBiase in the second match. Now, then Michael's kind of got the spotlight a bit in that other match, and now Barbarian in this one. So they kind of seem to be giving a guy, like an unusual guy, a spotlight in, in each of these matches. Um, I do think this was hurt, too, by Rude getting fired. Uh, or not getting fired, should I say quitting uh, before the show, because he would have been part of this instead of Haku, and you would have had the heat for him and Bossman. Instead, Bossman, you know, is gunning for the Heenan family now. He's off of the Rude piece, but um, that's another substitution on this card that I think that one ends up hurting the card at least from a heat standpoint in this match. I don't know where they would have went with it, but, and again, it seems like every match we're getting like the opener. We had, um, 
LOD and Demolition, double DQ. Second match, we had Undertaker walks away and gets countered out. Third match, Jake the Snake runs away and gets countered out. This match, Duggan gets DQ'd, Earthquake and Sugbo get countered out, right? So it's like, Duggan did get DQ'd, right? He comes with the board and gets, yeah, he gets yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to see it again in our next match. So, and, and the main event. So, like, every match on this card, there's either a DQ, um, a double DQ, a double count out to eliminate guys. Like, it's... I don't know. It's not a very creative show when it comes to the different eliminations. And I think I think the one lasting imprint from the show was it was obvious that they needed to add something different to Survivor Series. Like I think everyone loves the Survivor matches. It's it's cool, but like by this point, it's like okay. And I think they tried it with the grand finale and and the egg and all that, but like I think the show needs a hook, right? So next year we get a world title match, and then from there it kind of evolves. But I think it was obvious that there's something needed to be put in the mix um it looks like you're coming out of this yeah good i'm I'm just curious if um if patterson's in the company this time or not or if he's away because like i know the the ring boy scandal um that's around this time period so i don't know if patterson's there if he's having one of the look at the rumble too it's it's one of the weirder booked rumbles with yeah we'll talk about our next episode but like guys in there forever um you know, not not a ton of creative elimination sequences. So yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he was someone who's more in the know, Jonathan Black, or one of our diehard listeners. Hopefully, will pipe up and let us know. Is there something that's known about this era where maybe Patterson wasn't as involved in the day to day? How happy do you think Hogan is that uh, Rick Rude quit the company so he didn't have to deal with this match? And it's weird too. You leave this match thinking like Tugboat and Earthquake is the next feud. Like it's, it felt like they're transitioning Earthquake to Tugboat off of Hogan um, with the way they brawl and get countered out. Does it really go that way? Um, because Quake and Hogan are on the house show circuit till Mania pretty much. So mm-hmm. it's just a weird stretch of, of booking from them. Um, I think Tugboat and Quake would, you know, obviously have their little stuff go on in the, but even then they're starting to start Quake and Jake after that, after Mania. So I don't know. It's just a very weird time frame. They're very scattered. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's not going to get much better. Uh, ain't, ain't much better in here, kid. As uh, we have Nikolai Volkov, Tito Santana, and the Bushwhackers taking on Sergeant Slaughter, Boris Ukov, and the Orient Express. Oh boy. Um, I went one point two five. Um, and that is not factoring in the uh thirty-seven minute promo with the uh, drum roll. In the background, and Sergeant yeah, Slaughter. That, yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of that is Sato standing in the background, disagreeing <laughs> with everything he's saying. He's another yeah. guy who's pretty much out the door after the show. So him and him and Axe, I think, are on the same uh, plan on this on this pay per view. Just they all use the, the wrong paint. They all use the wrong face paint. Their face is so oily. Um, yeah, it's it's a sight. It's a sight. Um, but yeah, one uh, I think was at one point two five for me. I went one seven five. I don't know. I must have been feeling good watching. Very this generous. It's, it's pretty wretched. Um, <laughs> it's such a stupid setup. Like they're rushing the match, right? Because they still have to do the egg and the grand finale. I think the egg hadn't happened, right? It's after this match, I think, right? Yeah. The egg and then the grand finale. Yeah. So they still got two things to do. Um, Slaughter's promo, I think, is longer than the friggin' match in the aisle, and it's such a waste. Like Slaughter, Nikolai are the captains. Nikolai gets eliminated. His, his team quickly eliminates Slaughter's team, so it's four to one within like a minute. So Orient Express look great bitches. Boris is useless anyway. That was supposed to be Akeem, another downgrade on this card. Uh, he, he left <laughs> right before the show. Um, a lot of subs on this card, as usual for Survivor Series. Um, and then uh, it's four on one. 
And then Slaughter just destroys the Bushwhackers and makes Nikolai look like a bitch. And like Nikolai's supposed to be like the top dog of this match on the face side. He gets pieced out quick. Tito gets revenge for the Survivor Series showdown with Slaughter. Beat him. Tito ends up hitting the flying forearm. But uh, Slaughter had then pulled the ref in the way or whatever the fuck happened. And you get the usual Slaughter tap on the shoulder. Ah, yeah, Dixie won. And then he gets disqualified. Um, so, you know, this is the guy you're positioning as your world title contender in, two, in a month and a half, right? And, like, he's not even beating this, you know, motley crew of, of a mess. Like, the, the grant, I think... The grand finale idea is really cool as a concept. What hurt them is their obsession with face versus heel at this time period, right? Good mm-hmm. versus bad. What they could have just done is gone against that green just a little bit and done like a random battle bowl type of random draw with the winners. So have all the survivors go in and then just pick the random teams and you can balance them a little bit. So you can maybe have a slaughter, make the finals, maybe him and warrior go at it to tease mania. I mean, to tease the rumble. Maybe LOD could have been in it. Maybe they're against Hogan and Warrior. Like that could have been cool too, right? So they or maybe do a draft. Like they just could be some way to make it interesting where you're not force feeding these sides. Like Tito only wins this, so it's not two against seven, right? Or whatever. So I think that's the only reason. And it ends up making Slaughter look look kind of weak. Um, it's cool that Tito gets the main event and gets to stand next to Hogan and Warrior. Like that's kind of a cool lifetime achievement thing. But I don't know. I just I feel like the grand finale was more stressed than it was worth on this show. Um, another path would be just not to have this match. No one on this in this match needed to be on this card. Besides, <laughs> if you want to give Tito a spot, you could have put him somewhere else. Like I, instead of Coco, just have Tito with Dusty, um, or have Tito with Hogan. If you want to switch someone out there, like there's ways you could have done it. Uh, and then um, just have Slaughter do a promo like he did at SummerSlam. Like and like Savage does one on this card. Have Slaughter doing too setting his goals for next year challenging warrior and now all of a sudden you come out of the show with savage issuing a challenge slaughter issuing a challenge you're setting up contenders for warrior like to me that would have been more effective um than what they did and that or get rid of the grand finale because that to me that hampered this card you could have easily opened with hogan and closed with warrior or flip-flopped it and been just as good i always thought an easy way around that would just be um have like all right the first the first two winners or the, the first winners of the first two matches they'll be the team captains um, and they will be one team and, and the, you know, they'll each be on a team. And then from there, the rest of the winners can pick what team they want to be on. And then you're just kind of alternating face and wins uh, face and heel wins anyways. Um, so you basically get a draft without having to do a draft. Um, yeah. Or a draw a random draw, yeah. whatever it is. Like it's just, it almost, it almost is like, it makes the kayfabe piece look even worse. Like by, all the good guys are on this side and the bad guys are on this side. I think even in the commentary at one point, someone says something along those lines, like almost like this, you know, I, I forget what it was. I thought, but it was, it was something along those lines. I don't know. It's just a weird. Yeah. It's just weird. Like it's, they got, they booked themselves into a corner by doing it that way. Yeah. Now you're just a few years older than me. So I missed out on like Sergeant Slaughter being a big deal. Like, in the mid eighties, GI Joe, all of that. So like when I look back on wrestling, it's like Sergeant Slaughter is just kind of like pigeonholed into this top yeah. heel run. So was he really like that big of a deal? Cause like from what I'm seeing, he had to be a heck of a negotiator <laughs> um, or he, he knew where some bodies were buried of uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Cause I don't see any reason why from SummerSlam to here, through the rumble to WrestleMania, he's going to be the guy in that spot. Uh, 
I uh, I did not see his early stuff live. Like I did, I started watching in ninety, right? So and it was right around SummerSlam, really. So like, okay, he'll come back. Uh, I did know him from GI Joe, but I was never a big Joe guy. I was a big Transformers fan as a kid. Um, over GI Joe, so I can't say I was like a diehard, knowledgeable Slaughter guy. Um, and they didn't really do a huge job of like putting over his past when he comes back. They barely talk about it. Yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah. It was weird. Um, I think the Iraq War really helped him. Like I, I think, I think they brought him back to be maybe an upper mid card heel uh, that could be like name value and add, add a little bit of that. Like he was coming off the AWA run, which is, you know, he was kind of the top dog there. He did have the GI Joe name value, so I get why they brought him in. Um, I don't know if he ever, ever would have risen very high if it wasn't for the Iraq war really escalating and becoming like a hot button issue and gave them a path to give him that push. Like, I'm curious if that war just is a brief conflict that never full fledged anything. Like, do they still get behind him in that, in that role? Because when he comes back at SummerSlam, we talked about it. He mentions Saddam, but he's not really like big Iraq guy. He's more just American drill sergeant, you know, shitting on the current state of men, <laughs> like, you know, more than like, ranting against america on behalf of iraq like he would be weeks later so i don't know if that was a plan originally again i'm sure someone that's listened to more shoot interviews than me or other podcasts would would know more but i don't i don't think he was planned originally to do that i'm not supposed it was supposed to be tugboat and they were supposed to get to the infamous chic tugboat and yeah I think, I think the tugster did maybe just had a bad reputation or something backstage um because he misses out on SummerSlam. Um, he gets dropped out pretty quick at Survivor Series. He's barely in the match. Um, and then they. I don't know if I believe the Sheik Tugboat thing. I know Pritchard threw that out. I don't know. Like, I could see that maybe being like a coked out idea from Vince at like one in the morning. Like, oh, what if we turn Tugboat and he becomes a Sheik? Like, I don't know. Was that ever on a booking sheet of like WrestleMania's Hogan versus Sheik Tugboat? Like, I just don't see it. Um, hmm. And I just don't feel like Hogan Warrior was completely off the table just yet. Like, why do they have them stand side by side to end this night? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've already, you know, sprinkled the Hulk dust on Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Yeah. So I don't I don't see the need to do it again. And I don't know. We still at uh we still at the Coliseum at this point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I still feel like Hogan Warrior was maybe I don't know if they were full on. And maybe it's around this time they start to because Slaughter is starting to, to lean in on the Iraq stuff, but he really amps up between now and the Rumble, so um, all right, so it's after this match we get the the uh, re- revelation of the gobbledygooker bust out of the egg. That's its own thing. Um, we'll talk about. <laughs> Obviously, there were rumors that that was how Mark Calloway was going to debut the Eggman uh, and some other different stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind the idea of it as like a like a tease for the pay per view. Uh, you know, having it in the different arenas on TV and all that was cool. Uh, Gene's pretty funny early on, but what it ends up being, and then the next 10 minutes after that is like all time, obviously. There's a reason Russell Crap had the Gooker Award uh, for the worst worst stuff ever. Um, again, I don't know what they could have done differently. I think Undertaker debuting that way would have been ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. What do you think if it would have been Savage and Sherry in the egg? And it was like, it was all um, ploy for attention to get the attention of the Ultimate Warrior or something like that. And like, you know, remind the fans of who we are. I don't know, something like I'm just trying to think of like someone that could have used it as like a way to 
build heat versus that would have been a pretty cool angle to have savage in the egg and bust out and attack warrior yeah that would be kind of dope um sapphire maybe diviasi hide sapphire in there. <laughs> yes yeah, something like that would be would be pretty interesting and wcw in a couple more months and, and you know 91 they're gonna do the the boxes for sting right so that idea is like going out there it's floating around um i mean anything's better than what we got like i thought they should have just like done this before the show and then air it like earlier on before we went live on pay-per-view you know the yeah, crowd yeah. got to see it first and you show you know you clip it down and right. i know the guys need time um to, to set up the match and and get ready but you know it clipped a segment down to three minutes yeah yeah and and then you know run some other promos yeah the whole thing's a bit of a mess um all right so that then brings us to the main event uh which is uh hulk hogan the ultimate warrior and tito santana versus ted DiBiase, rick martell warlord and power of glory it's it's a cool artifact that like tito is with hogan warrior that power of glory gets the main event of pay-per-view um the match itself is express lane they're obviously running low on time after everything else kind of went long it only goes nine minutes um you know, DiBiase gets pinned pretty easily at the end, which, you know, doesn't make him look super strong, I don't think, for the next night against Warrior. Martel runs away uh, yet again. Um, power and glory get ruined because Hogan blows out of the power plex at a one count. <laughs> like, like it, it just, I don't think this helped anybody. Like, you get the cool moment of Hogan and Warrior standing tall at the end, but you could have done that anyway. You know, like, you could have, again, you could have had Hogan main event. His team gets eliminated. Um, Earthquake, Hogan beats Earthquake to end the match and maybe quake attacks him the warrior makes a save right or something um and him and hogan stand tall at the end of the night it keeps tibiasi strong for the next night by not having him job out keeps power and glory from having their finisher destroyed um it's less time maybe you let slaughter actually win that match so i just I, as cool of a concept as this is i really think it fucked the card up quite a bit yeah i went like, uh, two and a quarter it's it's still, it feels like a half cooked idea. Like mm -hmm. it's a hook, but there's no point to the end of it. Like no. there, you're still missing something on the end of it. Right. Um, Give us a, even if they would at least would have put a prize on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is for a million dollars. Like the winning team gets to split the, the money a million weight, a uh, million dollars. Right. You know, you have the Royal Rumble coming up. It's number 30 in the Royal Rumble. It's preferential treatment, which you're going to run, run with a 92 um be something something along those lines um yeah but it needed something just a little bit more i think to to really draw it in and, and really make it count but um yeah they're like halfway there uh, i went with a, a 2.25 with uh on it as well uh and like you said it doesn't do anybody any favors if anything it just no. it, it harms power and glory they're never going to be the same um no, the only the only Hogan. cool moment is hogan a warrior together at the end i mean beyond that there's really no other benefit to it. I think it's yeah. um, it's a cool footnote, but I think it, it didn't help in any way. And if anything, it hurt. I think it actively hurt. Um, all right. Let's get to our category. So that's a, a total score of 0.5 for match grades, which is like that is on the very low end of. Um, yeah, that's bad. Um, you know, for us, like a good war score for match grades is usually like three, four, uh, five ish. And then like the really great stuff is like six, seven higher. Um, 0.5 is, is probably one of our lower rated in-ring shows that we've done. Um, all right. 
let's get to our build here. Uh, we have a point for the buildup of the Mystery Man. It was well done. A point for the Perfect Tornado IC title war going on into this match. A point for Dark Dusty's Forlorn over Sapphire. He's hunting DiBiase. He's got uh, the whole thing on Science Man event with Dusty. He's got the black and red polka dots because he's a little bit darker. Um, tack, so point for that. A point for Rhythm and Blues have been chasing the Heart Foundation all fall for the tag titles. That was a tag title feud around the house shows. Uh, I actually saw it. I went to a house show the night before this show in Providence. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. It's a cool night for a house show, the night before Thanksgiving. Um, and that, that was the main event, actually. It was the Heart Foundation versus Rhythm and Blues. So that was going around um, the house show circuit at that time. Uh, a point for Rick Martell. Actually, we give two points. Rick Martell blinding Jake the Snake on the Beloved Show. It's an all-time angle. Leads to a great Mania match and a feud till that point. A point for Rockers of Power and Glory, continuing their feud since WrestleMania that's been building. Uh, a point for Hogan and Friends versus Earthquake. A point for Boss Man going to war with the Heenan family. A point for the egg buildup. It was built up really well. Um, and then a point for Slaughter adding General Adnan to the package uh, that he has going on. So there was actually, this, this is a really well-built show. I think it's probably the strongest category we're going to have. Yeah, uh, let's get into the minuses. There's not too many. Um, uh, to counteract it, we've got the egg. We've got the slow death of demolition. Uh, you know, they're back to Fuji. They've got new music. They've got the masks. Um, it's all downhill. Uh, using uh, our world champion, Ultimate Warrior, in a six-man tag feud, uh, Rude bails out on WF and leaves Bossman to feud with the rest of the Heenan family. And uh, there's no direct rival in the match uh, for Bossman. So uh, that's it. And that uh, totals out to a plus seven. Yeah, so very good score for the build. I was feeling all right after this. I'm like, oh, all right, man, this show will yeah. surprise. We'll see. All right, uh, two points for Gorilla Monsoon. He has Thanksgiving wrestling for the WWF. Just you hear him, <laughs> you picture the pilgrim hat which, on Jesse, you picture like... Uh, you know, the, the peanut butter pie and the and the turkey and all that, right? All the fixings that he loves. Um, it's just when you think of Survivor Series, the WF Survivor Series era, Gorilla calls the first five, right? I don't, I think he does 80, 70, 89, 90, 91. So um, he's yeah. the voice of Survivor Series for the first five years. So to me, like, he's Thanksgiving wrestling, just like Starcade was Thanksgiving solely and all that was Thanksgiving wrestling for, for Crockett. Like to me, Gorilla Monsoon is Thanksgiving wrestling for the WWF. Uh, so two points for him. A point for Piper uh, all night, kind of doing the tracker on the grand finale. He's like, oh, I get the magazine. I'm going to check off who won. <laughs> like, you know, he was kind of down. Right. He's kind of hyping that up. So that was cool. Uh, point for P Piper also hyping up perfect in the opener. Did a really good job uh, putting him over. Uh, a point for Piper talking about Dean Hart passing away and what that meant to Brett. Um, I thought that was a cool touch. A point for the selling of The Undertaker by commentary, really putting him over. A, a point for Piper saying, I guess Brother Love hasn't heard of the blow-away diet, which is just a great joke <laughs> for that era of WWF. Um, and then uh, another point for Piper saying, the United States gives Russia MTV and Two Life Crew, and Russia gives us Nikolai Volkov, <laughs> uh, which is a really <laughs> funny line as well. So a lot of good commentary, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, we've got uh, Piper's obsession with the uh, Iraq war and conflict continues. Uh, Gorilla's weak, obvious. Uh, I think it's a tombstone for a guy that they just saw for the first time ever. Uh, Piper's over the top cheering and screaming for the baby faces all night long. It's just, it's way too much. Um, there's there's a lack of balance in the booth. Uh, it's too heavy handed. Like they overcorrected from SummerSlam where Piper maybe lended, like leaned in a little bit more heel. Um, they've yep. definitely made an overcorrection there. Uh, all night Piper. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nonstop. So we went out. Uh, and, and it's like this overall. fake laugh, but it's just like too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ah! 
don't know how to do the noise. This is but, great. Yeah, it's super uh, Piper is uh, yucking it up all night and jacking it to the to the uh, the gobbly gooker. Oh my god, it just makes it's just, it worse. And I know yeah. he's just probably being over the top, whatever, like on purpose to be an asshole, maybe. But it's it's so transparent and fake. Like, ah, oh, I should be the new mascot. Ah! <laughs> it's, it's just like it's way, for the way kids. It's great. Yeah. Um. They could have really used a third man in the booth uh, yeah, on this night. He's just a lot. And uh, Piper's dad joking all night about trying to survive the Survivor Series. He's unbuttoning his shirt. He's sweating. He's fanning himself. Oh, I'm trying to survive. It's, yeah, all night. So uh, that gives us a score of zero. All that for, well, it's better than nothing, but it's a zero. Yeah, yeah, the positives help because there were a lot of negatives. It's just, you know, Piper gives and he takes away pretty, pretty greatly. <laughs> um, you know, the gorilla tombstone thing is like really bad. It's like, you know, it's so transparent. Just say like, I just got word um, that this is called a tombstone, right? Something like, I think it's a tombstone, what? I think it's a tombstone. Like, because even when like Don Morocco did it, it was never a tombstone. It was just like an inverted pile driver or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it had ever been called that pre- taker you know um so it just was like super obvious that they knew so takes away from the surprise all right atmosphere we give a point for the classic survivor series theme a point for the monster legion of doom point uh pop a point for the monster ultimate warrior pop dusty Rhodes gets a really good reaction for a guy that's dead in the water uh two points for the all-time crowd reaction to the undertaker just everyone kind of staring in shock of what's coming out. Uh, a point for the pop for Jake and a point for the pop for Hogan. They're, those are all really good. This is a pretty good crowd overall. Yeah. Um, let's get into the minuses. We've got, uh, oof. Yeah, this one hurts. The end of the original demolition um, and Axe's final pay per view. We went minus two. Uh, the Gooker, all time Russell crap, uh, especially when you could have used it for a major angle or reveal of some type. So at minus three, uh, just because of how hev- heavily it was pushed on TV as well. And then uh, Hogan killing the power flex uh, for absolutely no good reason. Oh, brutal. I hate it so much. And it doesn't get any better with any watches. <laughs> like It's like still this real bad. Yeah. Um, it's such an iconic move. And they could have brought that right into like, you know, we'll see the team that ends up at Mania, but them at Mania beating the Hart Foundation for the titles at the power flex would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um we just don't get there. All right, so that's a plus three for moments, so pretty good. Uh, 0.5 for matches we talked about. Card structure, a point for the grand finale is a cool concept. Again, it execution is leaves a lot to be desired, but the concept is, you know, points for that. Uh, a point for the Warrior team being well-assembled. You have the top stars of the 80s uh, across the country. You got Tornado repping world-class LOD from AWA and Crockett, Warrior from WWF. They all go by the Warrior names, right? You got the Ultimate Warrior, the Road Warriors, the Modern Day Warrior. So, like, that whole aesthetic of that team is really cool uh, if you're, like, looking at, like, a meta level. A uh, point for Undertaker immediately just destroying Coco and Dusty. That was great booking to establish him out of the gate. Uh, a point for Brett getting that solo segment with DiBiase as a soft launch. A point for Jake and Martel never touching. They really hyped the heat for Mania well by not having them interact. Uh, and then a point for the Savage interview lays him out as the next contender to Warrior. I think that was a good use of him on the card versus shoving him in one of these stupid matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he's hurt, um, but um, I-, I felt like he was better presented being solo and like not being a part of one of the matches. Um, he really felt, it felt like that was like a natural, like just like step up um, from what we saw from SummerSlam. So uh, getting into the minuses, we've got no title matches. Uh, the concept is getting a little played out. Uh, you know, the teams are four. 
could have used an extra hook on the show. This might have been the right year to to do a title match. Um, we got the lame double DQ on the demolition and LOD. Uh, it's just weekly executed and cheap uh, and super repetitive, as we're going to see all night. Um, the grand finale, cool idea. Um, again, it's cheesy. It's preset faces and heels. There's really no explanation as to how teams or sides are selected. Uh, should I, you know, we talked about it. Randomize it. Have team captains. A draft. Something. Um, too many DQs and countouts mm. all night. Um, and again, like I think Patterson's thumbprint is missing from this. They're lazy. They're repetitive. Yeah. Um, we got the the long slaughter interview with the drum roll. <laughs> Super loud. Um, it is blaring. Behind them. It's so yeah. loud. It's one of those things. Like if you fall asleep watching the show, this this always wakes me up. Um, the the loud uh, drum roll and slaughter yelling about flies and turkeys or whatever, sand um, and a sandwich. Whew, what else we got? Uh, so we went minus two there. Uh, we've got slaughter doesn't survive during his big push uh, just to balance out the grand match of survival. Lame DQ finish where he thinks he won. He said, <laughs> jump it up and down with the arms up. Um, we got the Alliance and Mercenaries match is a joke, and uh, it really exposes the business. The quick eliminations uh, shouldn't even happen. Um, and way too much Gooker um, on this card, and uh, it's complete nonsense. So, JT, what does that uh, grade us out at? That is a negative three for card structure, so... I mean, a lot of negatives. Again, this is yeah. kind of what this show looks like. There's like some really good stuff in there, but there's a lot of bad stuff, and it just keeps canceling each other out for the most part um, outside of the build, really, so far. All right, rewatchability. Again, there's a ton, uh, not a ton here, but it's it's balanced on both sides. You get the classic old-school Vince narrated intros, uh, which are always great for Survivor Series. A point for Bobby bumping around like a madman for Warrior. <laughs> the opener is great. A mm-hmm. uh, point for Brett and DiBiase's finishing stretch is supremely rewatchable. Uh, a point for the powerplex, and then a point for Barbarian hitting a really sweet top rope clothesline on Hogan in that finish, finishing sequence. Looked awesome. Yeah, Barbarian rocks. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever stops rocking. Um, for our minuses, we've got uh, Demolition looking uh, really sad and pathetic, especially Axe, um, his hair, the the disinterest all over his face. Um, no music of their own. They come out to Perfect's music. Oh, that God. Didn't feel like a good fit. Yeah. Uh, they got Fuji. Um, we got Hogan's weird bob cut, uh, bob haircut. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, it looks like it's a fresh cut, maybe to get him to mania or something, but it looks really bad. Um, oh, Suburban Commando, right? It's around this, uh, was filmed before this, yeah, so. yeah. I'm guessing that's I why he cut it. I think he cut it for that. Although his yeah. hair is pretty long as Suburban Commando, so maybe it's one of two things either th- that was extensions, um, or uh, maybe he just grew it long and just it was too long and he wanted to cut it after that but yeah i'm guessing maybe it was short and then extensions uh we've also got sarge's promo and the uh, never-ending gooker segment uh so that gives us a total of one for rewatchability uh right so we had no uh all-time matches so that gives us a total score of 9.5 i mean i'll I'll be honest going in i I think this is where i would have thought like probably low low middle i know again it's a nostalgic show there's a lot of cool moments but i knew coming in it was riddled with uh questionable decisions on the show it was riddled with uh not great wrestling uh odd booking choices the gobbledygooker stuff i knew piper's hit or miss so like i kind of knew coming in this is probably gonna be one of those ones that really 
balanced out on both sides and it's it's an average show like i think i think it bears out so um if you will uh, refresh me on our tiebreaker do you remember what that is uh our tiebreaker is the best match i believe it's the best match best match yeah so this is currently tied at nine and a half points with vengeance 2011 uh i'd have to go back and look but i have to guess that there's a match on vengeance 11 that's probably better than anything here Uh, i'm gonna look real quick for us let's see vengeance 11 Uh, uh, (laughs) maybe not Uh, what was the highest on this Uh, i believe the highest was 325 on the yeah that's the highest on vengeance as well um second highest we have a couple of threes oh no we have two three two fives so i think that probably puts it over um over this i would say the only one that reason that wouldn't is if we just wanted to give it the full nostalgia (laughs) push but uh if we go to the second tiebreaker, which is the second best match, which I think we have had to do before, mm-hmm. uh, I'll say that Vengeance 11 nudges it out. So that puts Survivor Series 1990 in 82nd place. Um, and that is out of 109 shows. So, Dang. you know, there's still 25 or so worse than it um, that we've done, but yeah, it's, it's right in the bottom quarter. I'm surprised. I thought this was going to end up like in looking at other shows we've done. Like right around maybe like the mid teens, like 16 and a half, um, mm. Battleground 2015, Unforgiven 99, yeah. um, Hell in a Cell 2015, Backlash 99. I thought it was going to end up in there. King of the Ring 99. I mean, it's at, significantly uh, lower than like WrestleMania 2. You know what I mean? Like, which yeah. that's a show that you, you know, you don't hear a ton of positive about usually. Um, it's below yeah. Rebellion 99, below New Year's Revolution 05. So, yeah, there's definitely some, you know, curious ones that it checks yeah, in. Below. It doesn't pull it up as much as I thought it was going to. I'll say this. I think it did. I just think the negative ended oh, up killing yeah. it. I think we gave it a shitload of points or moments or atmosphere. Like, all that really added up. Eat commentary, rewatchability. Like, all that stuff, there's a lot there. It's just the negative also bound, just killed it. Like, the card structure destroyed it. Um, a lot of Piper, um, you know, really destroyed yeah. it. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. Um, you know, the the main event idea, the gooker. Like, this is so much bad on there that really just dragged it down so um so anyway that's where it lands that'll do it for us here tonight hopefully everyone enjoyed this trip um you know i guess we can give quickly our our top top 10 um yeah let's refresh everybody well that's uh all right let's do the top 10 let's say should we do the bottom since we're closer there let's do the top 10 so we're not going to talk about any of them all right so 10th place we have wrestlemania 21 with 33 and a half so that tells you the gap 33 and a half to nine and a half um is that far down at nine we have SummerSlam 2015 with a 35.25 then we have royal rumble 2005 with a 36.5 Number seven is WrestleMania X8 with a 36.75. Number six, Evolution 2018 with a 38. Uh, coming in at fifth place, uh, which is also tied with fourth place, uh, is SummerSlam 1999 with a 38.25. Tied with that is SummerSlam 1992, won the tiebreaker, uh, same score. Uh, SummerSlam 2001 with a war of 39. SummerSlam 1990, the show right before this, uh, 42 points, outpaced it, really crushed it, um, the follow-up here. And our number one show 
as of date is Roar Rumble 2002 with a war of 44. So we love our SummerSlams. That's clear. We talked about it quite a bit. Nine, four of our top five are SummerSlam. Five of our top ten are SummerSlam. So it's it's pretty obvious. SummerSlam seem to check all the boxes we're looking for. Uh, just to give you some scope, our worst show is the Greatest Royal Rumble 2018 with a negative 17.25, then Crown Jewel 2018 with a negative 9. So, you know, it's almost 20 points worse than this. Uh, so, like, again, it's, this is low, but it's probably closer to that mid-range. We just have a lot that's in that slightly above average range that pushes stuff like this down. Uh, yeah. The real bad is, like, from quite a bit away from something like this, you know. Um so, all right. So that'll do. We'll be back here in two weeks. We'll be covering War Rumble 1991. Uh, we're only two shows left in the season, so that's pretty cool. Um, be sure to check out everything at North South Connection. Leave us some feedback. Leave us a like and a subscription as well on YouTube if you wouldn't mind. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for all your support here in 2023. Looking forward to a brand new year in 2024. And uh, continuing to bring the content. Hope you continue to bring us your love. You continue to live your life above replacement level. Stay out of any way.